Give it a chance. All right. Teenagers, this is where you get to convince your parents to play the video games or other weird thing that you're into. It's going to be great. Okay, so when you have a goal or someone suggests something to you that they think will be interesting to you, how much of a chance do you give it? How do you know how much energy and attention to give something and and when you should quit? Uh, In our world, definitely there's a bias towards large amounts of commitment, even if you don't like something. This is how school operates. This is how many jobs operate. And I'm not a very big fan of this approach. I'm a fan of calculated quitting. And I've quit a whole lot of things, as you've probably figured out. And I still feel like I have a pretty great life. We don't want to just give up on things at the first sign of discomfort. That's not a great way to go through life. But nor do we want to go through life suffering needlessly and just totally committing to these big things that we realize are not correct for us and getting bound to the mistakes of our past. So here's how I imagine this to work. Imagine three circles, concentric circles. The tiniest one in the middle is your comfort zone. This is where you know that you're safe. The next bigger circle, the second layer of this circle, is your growth zone. This is where you're kind of taking a gamble with your time. You're like, ah, this might work out, this might not. And the final and largest circle, the outer layer, is your eject zone. It's like, okay, time to go, time to get out of here, I'm pushing the eject button. You can play a game with yourself to see how much discomfort you can bear, how far you can go into the growth zone, and how big the growth zone actually is. So here's the activity. Choose one small goal or interest or something that somebody suggested to you. Maybe it's on your goal list. Maybe it's something else. Something that you know is going to make you a bit uncomfortable. It's probably not your your first choice. And then choose some sort of target, something you can commit to that feels achievable. So for example, let's say you're a parent and you don't really understand the video game or computer game that you're your kid is really into, and so you commit to playing an hour of it to try to figure out what's so great about this game. That is your initial commitment. Or let's say you're a young person, and maybe there's this creative project you've been meaning to work on, but you're not quite sure. Maybe you're going to feel embarrassed about it, and so maybe you commit to like creating three things in this creative project. Maybe it could be three poems, three pieces of art, three videos. A small, manageable, completely doable goal. Give yourself enough time to do this thing, this this kind of basic goal, and then allow some extra time for overflow. And once you've achieved your initial goal, see how much farther you can go. Play a game with yourself and with your discomfort. And just like other games, this is a game you should take seriously. You can always walk away from it. But see how far you can go beyond your initial comfort level. Leave that comfort zone and walk into the wilderness of your growth zone and see how far you can push it. So for example, if you're a teenager and your parent suggested to you, hey, maybe you should go for a hike for an hour because you sure spend a lot of time in front of your screens. 
if you can commit to doing an hour, then then do that. But give yourself three hours, a three-hour time window to do this experiment and see how much farther you can push it after an hour. Can you get to 70 minutes? Can you get to 90 minutes? Can you get to two hours? Can you go 10% farther than you originally thought? Can you go 50% farther, 100% farther? For me, this is the heart. This is the core experience of self-directed learning, which is discovering little things I'm interested in or curious about or I want to try, committing to small chunks, and then seeing how much farther I can take it and seeing if I still feel interested and motivated. I look at each of these as a little experiment. And this is especially important for things that feel like uh I know I really want to do these things, but I know that I'm also very hesitant to do these things. If I'm on the fence about something, this is when this kind of thinking, this sort of, oh, how far can I go into my growth zone, really pays off. And importantly, I'm always still in control. When I wanted to hike the Pacific Crest Trail, which is 2,650 miles and takes five months to complete as you hike from the Mexican border in California up through California, Oregon, and Washington to the Canadian border. I gave it two weeks. And after about the first week, I was feeling quite uh, challenged, uh, not actually physically challenged, but more mentally and emotionally challenged. And I didn't quit there after week one. I decided I have to give this a bit more of a chance. And so I did a whole other week before I decided, okay, now I'm really quite sure this is not for me. And I could quit with confidence, with a a calculated assessment then. Same goes for that 10-day silent meditation retreat, the Vipassana retreat. After about day three, I thought, I'm really not liking how this is working but I gave it two more full days. I pushed into that growth zone to make sure I wasn't making an impulsive decision to jump ship. And so it goes both ways. Sometimes it leads to delightful discoveries, just like you might discover as a parent the reason why your kid is so into this game that seems so confusing or (laughs) nonsensical to you. And it can also go in the other direction of saying, okay, I pushed into my growth zone. And so now when I quit this thing, I'm feeling like I'm quitting for a really good reason, not just because I'm impulsively leaving something that's challenging. In the outdoor adventure world, we talk about different types of fun. There's type one fun and type two fun. Type one fun is when you're doing something that you know is fun, and then later when you think back about what you did, you still consider it fun. And type two fun is when the thing you're doing is not actually that fun in the moment, but when you look back on it, it actually was fun or meaningful. And a lot of outdoor adventures involve serious amounts of type two fun. So you're out there on some long bike ride or hike, and it's kind of miserable, and you're kind of cold and hungry and you know dreaming of being somewhere dry and warm and having a cup of hot chocolate in front of you but then when you're done with the adventure you think back and you say okay that was actually pretty cool this is what we're working toward 
by pushing your boundaries, by pushing into that growth zone, never hitting the, the eject zone where things are, are really, truly horrible, miserable. That's actually called type three fun. When something you're doing is no fun. And when you think back on it, it was no fun either. Like, I just wish I, that never happened. When you're pushing your boundaries, when you're experimenting to see how much discomfort you can bear, uh, that can often lead to type two fun. And this leads to motivation to try more hard things going forward in your life. So choose an activity that will make you a bit uncomfortable. If you're doing this with someone else, maybe challenge that other person to do an activity that you know will probably be good for them, but is not something they would necessarily choose for themselves. And then take that activity, determine a minimum level that you can absolutely commit to, and then see how much farther you can push it. Go.